Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Mum and Mama podcast, brought to you as always by Golding Accountancy. We are golding.com. How are you? This week I was joined by the lovely Tom from the Proper Mental Podcast. Um, this is an amazing chat. I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna tell you too much about it because you just need to listen to it and I don't wanna spoil anything, but um he's an extremely inspirational person and he's doing a really lovely thing in the world. So I hope it makes you feel good after you've listened to it. There are some quite hard-hitting things that we discuss, but um He's just so honest. This is I love doing this podcast because I just have really honest, frank, lovely conversations with people. And I love it. I am I'm recording this. I've just done a podcast with Joanna Fortune that's going to come out next week, who I love. Um, talking about the anxiety um levels that have risen in children and um young adults um due to COVID and how we can kind of deal with that. Um so yeah, it's been a very nice day, but I hope you enjoy this podcast and I'll see you in a bit. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Work. Work. Hi. Hello. Hello, Tom. Hi, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Today I'm joined by the lovely Tom from the Proper Mental podcast. That's the one. That's me. Uh, I don't know how I found you. Yeah. Um, or how I became aware of you to begin with. But we follow each other on on Instagram, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do, yeah. Um, I, um, I knew of your podcast. I listened to your podcast, so I kind of oh, knew thanks. knew of you. <laughs> um, and so when when did you start doing your podcast? Um, it was earlier this year, March. I put the first oh, episode wow. out. Yeah, yeah. So it's still pretty... so. What what led you to begin it? Um, it was a few things really. So Problem Mental is a mental health podcast, and um, I was very poorly. I've had a few problems with my mental health over the last few years. And something that was really beneficial to me when I was trying to get better uh, was hearing other people talk openly. Yes. Um, yeah. I felt very, very lonely when I was ill. I didn't tell a soul that I was struggling, like not even my wife or anything. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, I didn't tell anyone. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I mean, I'm sure we get into it. I had a couple of breakdowns and round, yeah. round, they were four years apart. And round about the second one, I saw this, one video in particular of a guy, a well-known athlete, talking about something that he'd been through. And it was the first time I'd ever heard anyone describe kind of what was happening in my head. It was yeah. to see someone be so open and just talk about it. And to actually, the video was a couple of years old and they had like a really good life, you know, to see that someone yeah. could have a good life. Um, yeah, it was really, really powerful. And I kind of banked that. And then yeah. further down the line, when I started to feel a bit better... I started to have this feeling like I wanted to just do something in the mental health space. And that's really common, I think. Yeah. People who have been through something want to kind of help others and give back and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of thinking, well, what can I do? You know, I just, you know, raising money is a bit of a hard slog and I don't have the biggest social circle. I'm not the sort of person that's going to have like hundreds of people donating loads of money. And I, I do like talking and, and I wanted to learn about mental health. I wanted to explore. I still didn't know a great yeah. deal about it. Um, so it kind of came out of all that really. Um, yeah. And proper mental was, was born and we went from there. So how have you always uh, had mental health issues or is it something that's come, come later in life? Um, kind of a mixture of both, I think. The best way to describe it is death by a thousand paper cuts. So I had no idea that I wasn't very well. I had no, I thought I had lots of like really weird personality traits and I always thought I was a bit different to everybody else. You know, yeah. I've, I've always, I feel the world, right? Like I feel other people's stuff massively. Yeah. And I've always been a, a bit like that. I've always been um, a sensitive soul. Yeah. But I didn't really realise that I was unhappy. And then in 2016, my son was born. That was my first child. And I think my life was so 
like full of stuff that wasn't serving me. When yeah. Reese was born, there was no room for such a big life event and I couldn't cope with it. The person that yeah. I was then and the situation that I was in then, I couldn't cope with it. And that's when I first, that was my first breakdown. That was when things got really bad for the first time. Um, and I kind of thought that it was maybe stress, that it was maybe lack of sleep, all like stereotypical. So what happened? Um, I just started, I became, I just started overthinking everything like I was yeah. so scared of being a bad dad and of making a mistake yeah. and like to the point of everything and you know I was really out of my depth I'd never Reese was the first baby I'd ever held I'd never held a baby till I oh, held wow. my own yeah there's no like babies in my family like our kid hasn't got any and you know it, it was so everything was new um yeah. and again I just started overthinking stuff and trying to um yeah just I had all these like mixed emotions I didn't I felt like I didn't have the stereotypical you know when you you like when we watch the movies you're supposed to look at your baby and everyone always puts on facebook oh when i saw my child i knew nothing would be the same i didn't have none of that and i thought yeah. that that was a really bad thing and it just got too much and it, there was no room for all these emotions and they kept spilling out and there was lots of like crying but really weird crying you know lots of um, very very secret stuff it would just come out of me and I, I wasn't sleeping at all even when the baby was asleep oh I was God. up and um, yeah it just it just started going really wrong my personality started changing I started I was really I got quite grumpy and I'm very laid yeah. back I'm quite a calm person and I got very snappy and very um, yeah like big changes in in myself yeah um, yeah and uh, like I kind of thought that was maybe some postnatal thing um, I've yeah. since found out I've done a lot of therapy and I've since found out that, um, yeah, just the way I was living my life and the way I was seeing the world and had done up until that point wasn't particularly healthy. And I'd just been slowly getting poorly, poorly, poorly. And yeah, yeah just something as big as a child being born was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Because like I say, I thought I was post-notal, but then like Reese turned yeah. like four and I was still and I'd have another baby by then and I was still struggling. So, it wow. you know, there was a there's a lot, a lot. And you didn't going talk on. to anyone like you no. didn't tell anyone how you were feeling for all that time. No, no. I always, I wow. thought I thought that if I told people what I was thinking and how I was feeling that you know I was I couldn't see how people would understand it was like self stigma yeah. right so no one ever has portrayed them so none of the people around me have ever acted negatively towards mental health or anything like that yeah but it was like a self stigma thing and I thought oh like my wife will leave me um they'll take the kids off me I'm self-employed and I thought no one's going to want to work with the mad guy. You know, I've generally thought I was going mad. And if I told anyone that I was going to get sectioned, I was going to get locked up. And my only way through it was just to like, like tough it out, you know, like keep going and it'll pass, keep yeah, going yeah, and it'll yeah. pass. And of course it, it, it never passed. It just got yeah. worse and worse and worse. But yeah, I didn't tell, didn't tell anyone um, wow. until we went on. I had two babies really close together. There's like 18 months between my two. And when um, Reese was quite little and we were pregnant with Megan, we went on a little caravan holiday um, and it was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> like um, I was just very, very stressed and not, not yeah, and uh, I was just not nice to be around. And um, like uh, Kim one night on that holiday, she Kim's my wife. Sorry, I'll probably talk about her a lot, but um, she sort of pulled me up and she said, there's something like really wrong with you and you need to get yeah. some, get some help. You are not, you know, we've been together a long time and she's like, this isn't you. This behavior yeah. isn't you. You look different. 
I, you really need to go and um, get some get some help. Yeah, and that was the first time I'd ever talked about not not feeling great. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you did you kind of open up then? Not really. Um, no. I, I said I've been feeling great. I'm a bloke, right. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, I acknowledged the fact that things weren't great, and um, blamed it on sleep and stress and all these type of things. And yeah. I did. I actively tried to be better. So yeah. I um, I started doing lots of stuff that was stereotypically good for mental health. So I started doing lots of yoga. I started yeah. going to the gym more. I started just trying to be a, a healthier, more rounded person. Um, but yeah, I didn't do any of the, it was all surface level. You know, yes, I didn't, yeah. it was all very much uh, looking at the symptoms, but not looking at the, looking at the cause. And that learning. So where did you go for help? Um, well, at that time, I, I, I didn't really. Um, I just started trying to fix it myself. Um, yeah. And then a few things happened along the way. I had a really bad, that was in the October of 2017. And Megan was born in the December. And I had a yeah. really bad blip that December. And that was the first time I started talking about taking my own life. Um, and I left the house one day with the intention of, of doing just that. And it didn't happen. Um, yeah, for a lot of reasons it didn't happen. And I, I came home and it was only a couple of days later when I kind of went, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm not supposed to Fucking still be hell. here. Um, what were you going to do? Um, I, I wasn't 100% sure, to be honest. And I don't like to talk too much about the ins and outs only because I don't want to give anyone ideas if yeah. that makes sense <laughs> yeah yes. was as daft as that sounds but um oh, no, yeah um but what yeah stopped uh, you? um weirdly so i had a like it was a big whole thing in the morning i'd had this like like panic attack and me and kim had, had a big fallout and we we're supposed to be taking the kids to see santa and this is all this doesn't paint me in a very good fucking light no, at all but no, um but it's, it's true it's my story right yeah, yeah, um yeah. so we we're gonna take the kids to uh to see santa and um, yeah, we had this big fight and I, in the end, I just said, right, I'm, I'm going to go. I'll take Reese, um, and I'm just going to go. I just need to be with him. I just want to spend some time with my little boy. You know, yeah. I can't, can't do this with all of us. And my plan was, was to go and see Santa at the farm, have a nice day, drop Reese back at home. That'd be like my little goodbye with him, you know, and yeah. then, then I was done. And, um, we had the loveliest day. We had the cutest, just loveliest day and, um, one of them rare, easy parenting days, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, no. you know, yeah. And yeah. they come along now and again. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just the best. And we just like got home and it was just lovely being a dad and it was Christmassy and it just, it just passed. And that's the thing with mental health that with like with mental ill health, I should say that, um, sometimes these things just pass and they're gone as quick as they, yeah. as they yeah. came, you know? Yeah. And I, and it, and it, and it didn't happen. Wow. Yeah. yeah, but after that, I went into therapy. Yeah, after that, yeah. I kind of, yeah, so I started. So how did you find your therapist? Did for... you go to the doctor? No, 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 I did. Oh, it's crikey, I didn't go to the doctor for years. That's another <laughs> tale in itself. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I went private. Yeah, I went, went private for therapy. I um, was very lucky to find my therapist first, first run. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I'd been referred through work. Before I was self-employed, I used to work for the NHS, and I'd been... Okay. Um, 
I'd had a little bit of a thing at work where I wasn't performing very well because I now know I was having a, a breakdown and they referred, referred me for some therapy. And I went to oh, one, wow. I went to one session, I waited months for it. And I went to one yeah. session and um, it was on a really good day. And I kind of skipped out going, well, that was yeah. easy. <laughs> that was, <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Don't need to go again. And uh, so, yeah, so I had been once, but yeah, my therapist, Sean, I'm still with now. Um, I just I spoke to, I've got a, a, a friend locally who um, is kind of just known as being a bit of a like a, a good soul. He runs a yeah. runs a like a, a well-being thing and does a lot of work for charity. And if anyone was going to know a good guy, my pal Louie was. So I spoke to yeah. spoke to my mate and he gave me. Um, yeah, he gave me uh, Sean's number. And I, yeah, I've been I've been going there ever, ever since. Yeah. So how often do you see him? At the moment, yeah. Um, I mean, crikey, over the years, there's sometimes I've doubled down and I've been in there every week. Um, yeah. I've not been for, for weeks now. Yeah, I'm in a really good yeah. good patch. I just go and have a, a check-up every, yeah. every now and again. Yeah, yeah. So what is... Oh, I don't know how to put this without... What, how, what's going on with you? What What's... Yeah. What is the issues that you have? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I because I didn't go down the GP route. I have done since. I'm on medication at the moment. Um, okay. That that's like <laughs> that's probably a, yeah another bit of that. The basically what happened right after that Christmas thing, I started therapy. I started pretending everything was fine and it wasn't. That carried on okay. for about an, about another yeah. year. I had another breakdown. Um, and this this one was like a real. This one was much worse than the first one. And I finally went to the um, to the GP and I and got some medication. Um, right. And um, did they give you anyone to talk to at the GP, or did they just give you medication? Just give me meds. To be honest with you, yeah. but it's, I'd done so much work, like yeah. I was massively ahead of the process. And so yeah. chat, chatting to the doctor, I was like, "Listen, I've been in therapy for two years. I go to gym three times a week. I do yoga. I meditate. I walk on the beach." I go, you know, like yeah, I just everything yeah, yeah. that can be recommended I, I was doing and I, it just wasn't working and I just needed I was just missing something and I was like yeah. this is the only thing I haven't tried. Um and I was very, very lucky that um yeah, that I I was prescribed something that worked really quick and it kicked yeah. in dead quick and yeah, I've had a good had a good year. Yeah. But um oh yeah, That's diagnosis. Good. Yeah, so I was never yeah. diagnosed with, with anything at all. I didn't know what was happening well, what to me. What did they give you? Antidepressants? Yeah, sertraline. Sertraline, okay. yeah. Um, so when I first started talking about this stuff in therapy, I said to my therapist, like, I don't know what is going on with me. I know I'm not well. I know this isn't yeah. right, but I don't know what it is. Like, am I depressed? Am I anxious? Am I, what, what is all this stuff? And um, something that was really empowering from him is he said, we don't have to give it a name. You know, he said, you're not yeah, well. Yeah. That's clear. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. It doesn't need a label. Don't like, don't, you know, don't put yourself in a box. Don't limit yourself. And I never have. So I've never had actually anyone yeah. told me. I've, I would say that I was depressed. Um, that I have problems with depression. And I've since found out that I'm in, like incredibly anxious person that I didn't know I was because, um, uh, anxiety like manifests in loads of different ways. And I only had the like stereotypical view of what anxiety is, what everyone yeah. thinks anxiety is so i never thought i was anxious at all but then once i've found out about it and talked about things and stuff then like yeah i've been anxious so for a long long time man- how does it manifest itself then? so like for me when i am in the best way to describe it right is if you said to me um 
would you if we were friends and you said do you want to come for a coffee and I yeah that's great I'd feel fine and me and you go and have a coffee and a chat it'd be great and if you said to me oh do you want to go for a gig do you want to go to a gig um we're gonna go watch a band there's gonna be eighty thousand people there I'd say yeah that's great yeah definitely I'm well up for that if you said to me me and five of my mates are going for dinner do you fancy coming along that that would be that would be really hard for me um, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't go. And, it, it, you know, like one on one, we know each other. I'm comfortable. I don't have to, yeah. you know, I don't have to explain myself or talk about myself in a massive gig. No one's there to see me. I'm a completely yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. I'm just there for a good time. And that's all that matters. But in that in that like social situation, um, a lot of my stuff comes from like low self-esteem and how I view myself and yeah. these sorts of things. So um, when people are like asking me, you know, oh, so who are you? What do you do? And like that stuff's really difficult for me yeah. because I, yeah. yeah, I'm working on my, uh, on my self-worth and how I feel but about myself. But you've started a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Funny so that, there isn't it? must be a part of you that knows that you're amazing yeah yeah because and I... you're, put, you're putting yourself out there aren't you like you can't i mean i know obviously it's spoken but you still have stuff on instagram and yeah you know so you are coming out <laughs> yeah that's bit. it yeah yeah it's um yeah that you know like i say I've, I've done a lot of a lot of work you know i have worked i have worked hard at it um and i one thing i'm very very good at is, so I have a job where I have to like get up and you know I, I teach classes and um you know what I do you do I'm a movement coach so I teach people how to move so I've studied at a few different types of um areas of movement and I've put them all together into my own system so I'm like a, I'm a yoga teacher I'm a mobility coach and I've put all these things together and people come to yeah. me people come to me with like aches and pains and um you know maybe they want to get better at a specific sport or maybe they've got like a back pain that they just can't go away and they've tried everything um people come to me for stuff stuff like that so I do classes I do workshops I assist on courses um that must be really interesting yeah I love it I love I love my work yeah yeah very much so um, but it's anything where I've got a very, very clear, de- clearly defined role. So I could stand up in front of like, I've done yoga classes to like, you know, 30 people. And I don't, yeah. that, that, that's my job. I don't, I'm not, I don't have to rely on me for that. I'm a yoga yeah, teacher. Yeah. I'm fulfilling a role. When I'm podcasting, I'm a podcaster. You know, like it's yeah, very, very, yeah. Um, it's, it's, I can, yeah, I can do stuff like that. But when it, I have to rely on like the real authentic me is when it get, becomes more, more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I've just getting a child what do you want <laughs> cotton buds. huh cotton buds cotton buds say hi hello hi amaze <laughs> you all right hello cotton buds <coughs> she's just been on a school trip to wales for a week and they've all come back with a cough oh mate standard right <coughs> yeah. and every time i say that she really coughs <laughs> <laughs> and on the phone to me mum yeah lola's got a cough and in the background you hear <coughs> Just, just to be sure. Coughing, Lola. <laughs> go on, go away. Just take the bag. Um, how did you get into doing that? What did you do for the NHS? Were you yeah, like I, a physio? Or... No, not at all. No, I worked. Me, I did loads of stuff in the NHS. I was there for years. Um, most of it against my will. I, um, but I mainly worked in clinical <laughs> clinical trials. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah so when I moved to this I'm not from where I live my wife is so I moved around here and I had to get a job and I did a few different things 
and I got a job in the NHS and it, you know, it helped us to get a flat and moved out of my father-in-law's house and all those sorts of things. But it was a job that I really didn't like. And every day, and you know, so I, when I talk about um, death by a thousand paper cuts, these is, this yeah, is one of the yeah. things, right? So I was getting out every day and commuting to a job where I didn't like and where I couldn't express myself and where I had yeah. to you know, put on a mask and a face. And if you put on a mask for long enough, then you kind of forget you know, who the real yeah. person is underneath. And yeah, what so- What did you wanna do? Did you have something that you wanted to do when you were younger or kind of like an idea of? Not really. My, um, I suppose my tale is a little bit um, unusual because I went when I was 20, I went to work abroad. I went to work for a holiday company and I ended up staying for like 10 years. So I was between 20 and 30. I kind of worked around Europe and I did all different sorts of things. Um, and that's where I met Kim. And eventually when we kind of got a bit too old for that sort of lifestyle we decided to to come back home and, and grow up a little bit so for like the all the time when people are going to uni and or deciding what they want to do or doing apprenticeships or whatever it is that people do in their 20s i was living out of a, a backpack like bumming around europe so oh, that sounds lovely i mean it was but then i came back to the uk i was 30 years old and i had like nothing apart from the bag on my back you know like not even like credit rating or uh, you know like nothing yeah. at all so it's starting from complete scratch which is why i ended up in a job that i didn't like because i wasn't equipped to kind of do yes. anything other yeah. than um you know basic entry level you know admin stuff so how long were you in that job for seven years at the nhs okay. yeah seven years yeah yeah it was tough <laughs> so when did you leave to do your is that so did you leave to start your doing your own thing yeah, yeah. 2017 2018 something like that okay yeah also oh, you left when you were already starting to feel pretty crappy yeah yeah very much yeah. so yeah yeah and i think so when you were were you suffering with things when you were traveling um now i know that sometimes i was yeah sometimes yeah. i was like i said when i said that like i feel the world you know yeah. i i i'm very I'm, I'm an empath a massive empath and, yes. yeah, um yeah, yeah. You know, so I just kind of thought that that was me. I thought my personality was, um, you know, in social situations, I'd get very, very shy and standoffish. Um, but you confront that out, right? So you can sort yeah. of, you know, so people would people would say about me that I was um, like arrogant or cocky or because I'd stand at the back and I wouldn't say and I wouldn't acknowledge people and, you yeah. know, always that type of scenario. Um, but it God, wasn't... you did well travelling. Because yeah. it, it's all about meeting people, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. When you're a holiday rep, you drink a lot, right? So dr yes. again, drink was my yeah. was my crutch. Yeah. Um, so whenever I was drunk, I could like be whoever I needed to be in each and every yeah. situation. Um, when I came home and I carried on drinking as if I was a a young holiday rep and I wasn't so in the end that started to affect my life and drink had to go and then I had to yeah. stand on my own two feet for the first time in over a decade without being pissed every day and you know yeah. it's like that's another one of those paper cuts and it was just all like a yeah, series yeah. a series of unfortunate events I suppose yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes oh, uh, so what gave you the the strength to go out on your own did you just get to a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore? Yeah, pretty much. I can't. I worked for a, a long time. I worked on it and I was like going to college in the evenings and um, oh, just wow. like learning and just getting ready for it. Basically, I had to kind of get enough 
enough knowledge under my belt and then get enough experience under my belt to start yeah. start a business and then I started it and I did it part time and then I used to do it like I dropped a couple of days at the hospital so I'd do it a couple of days during the week and eventually got to the point where they said you can't drop any more days <laughs> like you yeah. need you need to work <laughs> here too um, and then yeah that I'd saved up enough money I'd like a little cushion in case things went wrong and then I could I could take the plunge so although I was there for a long time a lot of that was working on yeah. on on getting out of there really so um, it worked out really well you know I've got a, my business does well and I really love my work and yeah it's it's nice it's good how it's really was it good. over covid could you do stuff online no no I chose no. chose not to I just closed everything and just like yeah. just chilled at home with the with the kids yeah my and wife how were you over lockdown were you all right or did you... well weirdly um that kind of led to my like like my I suppose my big breakdown as I like to I need to find better words for these things but um <laughs> it's uh I over lockdown was some of the happiest I've been in my life in that Aww. in that thing I was I I have so many happy memories of it and there's so many like I had so many like ideas of ways I wanted to tr- things I wanted to try and wait it was like I wanted to live for me and my family yeah. I was never able to implement them because society moves too fast and when you're on that treadmill it's so hard to to stop it and then it stopped and I was just able to live really authentically and I got to stop doing loads of stuff that I didn't want to do and I got yeah. to really have a good think about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to live and I started you know making changes to how I was going to work how I was going to just do all these different different things and then all of a sudden the world went back to normal I wasn't ready for it I jumped straight back on that treadmill yeah but I'd had the realization then. So to continue doing something, to continue living inauthentically requires a certain amount of ignorance. You know, yes. you have to kind of, yes. you, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's for the mortgage. It's what everyone else does. You can say whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. But I'd stopped and I'd seen, you know, I, essentially, I kind of think of it as like getting unplugged from the matrix, right? So I'd been unplugged and then someone tried to plug me back in. And that's yeah. when things got really nasty for me again. Um, and that's when I had my next like really bad mental health um, patch. Um, yep. And I ended up, yeah, I closed I closed my work again. I only went back for about two months and um, I was in a therapy session and I was really struggling, really, really struggling. And I was talking about, um, you know, ending my life again and these sorts of yeah. like really dark thoughts. And my therapist said to me, he said, this is not right. You are not yeah. well. We need to take immediate action. What in your life as it stands now is non-negotiable and I said Kim and the kids and he said right yeah. everything else has to go you have one job and that's to get well you need to you, you can't get you can't yeah. commit to getting well if you've still got to go to work so I closed up yeah, again yeah, yeah I clo- closed up again I went off um I'd spent a lot of time healing and trying to yeah. trying to sort my sort myself out yeah that's so and yeah how co- long did it take for you to start feeling a well more yeah um well I got worse before I got better um and I started getting really poorly and I was doing everything that you're supposed to do so if you go on Instagram or Google and look at mental health well-being tips you know yoga meditation running or I was doing all of this and it weren't working right so then for me that was a stick to beat myself with I'm worthless, yeah. I'm broken, I'm doing all the things you're supposed to do and it's not working, therefore I can't be fixed. And it, it started to get a lot, a lot worse. Um, and um, so it would have been November last year and I'd decided that, right, this was, 
this was enough and that I wasn't going to, you know, I I was uh, having a, you know, negative impact on my family and I couldn't even get back to work. And it was just, there was no point in me that it was my time to go. And my, my parents live in Wales. So I, what I did was I planned to go and stay with them for the weekend. And then I'd have this like little window of opportunity where I waved goodbye to Kim and the kids and drove down to Wales. And then I'd say goodbye to mum and dad to drive back. And I'd have this little four hour window where I'd said goodbye to everyone in my in my life, you know. And to me in that headspace, I'm just saying it now, I feel a bit queasy, to be honest with you. But yeah. um, in that headspace, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, that is what I was going to do. Um, and while I was down, I caught up with my auntie Chris who's a uh, previous guest on, on Proper Mental. Um, but me and Chris have always been close and she's a occupational health nurse in a factory with like 500 blokes. And she do, she's done a lot of signposting for, you know, blokes that aren't very good at looking after their mental health. Yeah. And we had talked about um, mental health before and she spotted something in me and she and we went for a walk and we had a bit of a chat and she said like you know why don't you just go on meds why are you so resistant to it why won't you yeah. just why won't you just do it if things are that bad and i thought you know what like if i'm going to do this then i need to be able to say to my children that i've done everything you know that yes. daddy tried yes. everything yeah. Yeah. so i thought well it's the one thing i haven't tried we're going to put a pin in this little plan of mine i'll go back i'll speak to the doctor see if it works, see what happens. But I've got an out. You know, I can always play this card yeah. again. That's not a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's what I did. Yeah, I went back and um, phoned... Well, I had to get... Um, Kim had to phone the, the doctor for me and make the appointment. I couldn't bring myself to do it. And then I had a chat with the doctor and they prescribed me some pills. And, um, yeah, Kim had to go and get them. She put the first one in my mouth because I couldn't bring myself to do it. It was really, really emotional. Oh, my God. Um, and... Why do you think... Why... I, I don't know. I just built it up in my head to be this yeah. this big thing. I couldn't trust my thoughts, you know? I thought I was going mad and I couldn't trust oh my thoughts. My and I thought, what if I take this? Will I know? How do I know if the ground under my feet is real? I didn't really know what they did or how they worked. And yeah. all you all yeah. you hear, and I'm not, um, I always think it's important to say that medication is not for everyone, right? It's a very, very personal choice. Yes, um, yes, yeah. Um, but for me, it was the missing piece of the puzzle. But all I'd heard was people saying, oh, it took me 10 years to get off mine. And, you know, oh, I put on loads of weight and oh, they turned yeah. me into a zombie. And I was like, I can't be, a, you know, I can't be a, yeah. a fat zombie for the next 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, life's hard <laughs> enough, right? I'm already struggling. Um, so I was just really, really reluctant. Um, but yeah, yeah, as soon as I did, they like kicked in really, really quick. And like, just one morning I woke up and I was like, I am back you know, oh. and I felt like I was like 30 years old again. And, yeah. you know, Kim said to me, she said uh, Christmas last year, she said to me, I feel like I've got my husband back for like the first time in, in years. And um, yeah, that was the, the missing piece of the puzzle for me. Now, how's yeah. she been through all of this? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I've put her through a, a lot. Speaking from experience of having babies, <laughs> If I then also had to deal, not deal with, mm. but it, having that affect your life, that she must be a pretty incredible person to have kept going. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I kind of, we actually recorded an episode of, of the podcast where Kim and I just sat at our kitchen table and we talked, we basically went through that rambling tale that I just told. We went through all of that from her perspective. 
Yeah. Um, because when I started getting more open and, and talking to people, it seemed so, those thoughts and feelings and emotions seemed so alien to how I'm feeling now. Yeah. I had to get Kim to fact check it. Because I was like, I'm, am I lying? Am I making this yeah. out to be worse than it was? Because yeah. standing on, the, now I'm on the outside looking in. I'm not sure if, like, you know. So I was getting Kim to everything I put out. I was getting Kim to listen to it first and say, like, am I telling the, the truth? I'm not. Am I dramatizing this in any way? Because it it doesn't feel real. Um, and then through that, we got more and more talking about her perspective. And I said, right, come on, let's record it. Um, so yeah. yeah, we we chat and we went through it, and all from like her side. So when I was saying certain things and how she felt about it and all that sort of stuff, yeah. But she's incredible. And one thing she said on that episode is that like the reason she didn't give up on me is because I didn't stop trying yeah. you know so I was I was fighting for me and I was fighting for us and I kept signing yeah. up for these like meditation courses and I kept going to therapy even though it was awful and I kept going <laughs> to bloody yoga classes and you know like I never stopped yeah. trying and I was looking in all the wrong places and I wasn't doing it right and I was you know but I at least I was I was trying. trying yeah at least I was trying yeah and and that's kind of what what kept her around but yeah, God yeah. bless. God bless her. She's yeah, she's a hell of a woman. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. So podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously you're feeling better. Yeah, yeah, I'm great. And then yeah. you do you want to do something to help people, which is amazing. So yeah, so what were you a big podcast fan? Yeah, I like to listen. Yeah, yeah. I consumed a lot of a lot of podcasts. I didn't really do what want to do a podcast at first. So it started yeah. with me and a friend of mine called Chris. And um, he has a local um, mental health support charity that he looks after. And I used to do a bit of work for them. So uh, we would start meeting and like to talk about, you know, the the videos that I was going to do for them. And we would just start talking about mental health and about, you know, stuff, life stuff. And it was really good. It made me feel really, really good. And I thought when I was really poorly stumbling down a you know because you when you need help you search on the internet till five in the morning trying to find that one blog that's going to unlock the secret of your mind right but if i would have stumbled on those sorts of conversations i would have liked it it would have helped a little bit so when we're having these conversations i suggest you know should we record them and we were just going to do them on zoom put them up on on youtube and just like leave them there really to see if anyone ever found them um but yeah slowly it kind of after doing that a couple of times it became clear that podcasting was a better format so it's like right well if we're gonna do it then let's just do it properly and try and get some guests and like do an actual podcast and um yeah unfortunately chris's charity work meant he was a bit pushed for time um and i'm a very very all or nothing person i always say i don't commit to much because when i commit to something like it you could you know yeah. you can bet your life on me achieving something if i say i'm going to achieve it yeah. um and so yeah so once i got the bug that was it then i was just off you know and i've yeah i've loved it ever since it's been a it's been a real ride yeah it's been great yeah. so for people that don't know the podcast what kind of people have you talked to um so i've talked to all sorts of people so there's people that you might have heard of um who have i had I I've had uh, Frank Turner, you know, the musician Frank's been on. I've yes. had uh, Kate Cross, the England cricket player. Um, Dr. Poonam from BBC Morning Breakfast has been on. Um, so I've had people you've heard of. Uh, like I said before, I've had my, my wife's been on, my auntie's been on. Um, I've done episodes with like local community groups. Um, I've recorded with them. A lot of authors, people who write books, people like Claire Eastham and Kate Lucy and people who have wrote, written like amazing books. Um, anyone with like a story, 
Um, and I try, I've got a few lived experience episodes. We, we do a bit of that. Um, and then sometimes I get an expert on, because with mental health and mental illness, I have to be so careful what I say. It's fragile and it's yes. precious. And it's yes. such a, a privilege for me that I get to hold this space. Yeah. And I never talk in absolutes and I never tell people what to do. But if, yeah. I, if I get someone on um, who's qualified and experienced to talk about a certain aspect of something, then we can drill down into it. So I've got an episode about yeah. um, like medication where I sit there with Dr. Poonam and we talk about meds yeah. from the GP perspective. Um, and it's like a really impartial overview on the process, um, you know, of going to the GP for meds. Yeah. And I've got like one people who do running and we talk about the benefits of running and, you know, just yeah. those sorts of things. So, yeah, a bit of bit of self-help, bit of lived experience, a bit of just general chat and everything in between, really. Um, I want it to be a resource so that yeah. if you want to learn about something for yourself or someone in your life, then you can say, oh, right, Tom will have a OCD episode or Tom will have yeah. a, you know, and I want everyone. Mental health struggles is the most human thing. And me being poorly, I've never felt more connected to other humans. Yeah. And I want every human being to feel like they've got an episode. So if you're, you know, if you identify as trans or if you've got a different sexual identity or if you're a different color to me, then there will be an episode that represents your community. You know, I don't yeah. want it to be just me and a load of 40 year old white blokes talking about being depressed, you know, because like, <laughs> that'd be really easy to do. Yeah, yeah but, but then also it is good because what is the, what's the age range for the male suicide? It's the biggest killer. Is it 18 to is it 18 to 40 or is it yeah it depends where which one you read but one's up to 35 and there's another stat that okay. i think goes up to 45 yeah so yeah. you know it is so it is really important for men to be talking about very much it. so yeah very very much so yeah yeah and you what know what was that video you did that i shared that was for um merseyside against suicide so like a lot of um uh support centers around merseyside there's some incredible things around here for helping people um and yeah there's a guy called uh mick coyle who works on the the radio in liverpool and he has a very big um podcast called mental health monday which is a fantastic mental health resource and so mick kind of got us all together um and we all met down on crosby beach and um recorded like a live episode of his podcast so there was all of us that do different things in the mental health space just chatting about our, our stories and how it came to be and our thoughts and feelings and um mick put released it as a video through like radio city for um uh, yeah suicide awareness week or day yeah. or whatever it was yeah so that was like a merseyside coming together thing yeah that was really beautiful yeah it was lovely yeah it's very it's um when you see everyone standing together it's very impactful mm. yeah to get the message across yeah because very it is much so important so. because people don't talk about well i say more men don't talk about but women don't talk about it as well no no <laughs> and i think a lot of the thing especially with, you notice with um you mentioned with the postnatal stuff a lot of stuff women will put down to being a mum or being tired or having a baby, you know, whereas yeah. it, it actually goes deeper than that and not recognising, you know, that actually you might need a bit more help. Very much so, yeah, very much so. And there's like there's so much in that time, isn't there, that's difficult to deal with. And yeah. like you say, it's very easy to assume that everything comes down to lack of sleep or, you know, all yeah. these things. And they're all factors, of course they are. But yeah, they, like, definitely. And the more you talk about it, I think, like, that's one thing I love about my podcast is like the relatability aspect of it. And I think if you have a chat with someone who has experienced and, and, and dealt with and lived with like postnatal depression, they're yeah. going to, when they talk about their story, you are going to hear things and you are going to go, 
that's a bit of me maybe I'm poorlier than I think I am and maybe I need to talk to someone you know you you don't see it in yourself it becomes your own world right it becomes all in your own head so yeah when you talk about it and you can just learn so much from relating to other people about yourself yeah definitely yeah very much and I was be interested to listen to the um doctor's episode as well because I think GPs have a lot of responsibility on their shoulders when it comes to mental health but I don't actually know how much training they get in it yeah and it must be quite a hard judgment to make I think yeah definitely I've had um a, a couple of GPs on I like a I like a doctor you can always rely on yeah. a on a doctor to get a good <laughs> chat I've had a few of them um but yeah it's challenging I think it's very much they get a very bad reputation you know people always seem to want to slag off that service yeah um you know they're really up against it yeah and, I bet but I think probably the thing that I've learned like most from chatting to him on the podcast is it it's i think it's practice dependent you know like yes yes, i I think some people will be lucky enough to live at a practice where it's dealt with differently to other practices you know um and yeah it's i think it's tricky when you hear from a gp's perspective what they're trying to do in a day you know and yes it is like of course it's frustrating and it's sad and you know all these sorts of things but Crikey, you, you're meeting someone the first time and trying to diagnose for depression and prescribe them pills and you've got 10 minutes to do it, you know? When you actually really think about what they do, it does seem a bit impossible, doesn't it, really? I don't know how I know, any of them do it. I don't know how they do it. And I, don't, I think they should definitely have, like, maybe separate mental health doctors who do have a bit more knowledge and a bit more experience in it. It's a bit of a different environment. Because yeah. the waiting times at the moment are crazy. My friend's son started university last September. So he's never been, I think still he's never been in a lecture hall, but he, he, he went to live in halls and they, they were basically just in their rooms and then he came home because I think they shut down, didn't they? Was it Christmas? They all came home and then he never went back. But they, they still want to be paid for the, yeah. <laughs> for the room, which I understand because obviously it's, it's a space that he had, but they never should have been told to go. They yeah. should have just been able to stay at home from the start, really. But he's got to get a letter from the mental health people. But I think their waiting times, I can't remember how long it is, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Like he's never going to get this letter in time to send it off to the people, you know, because yeah. it's just crazy because you amount of... And I think for me, I've, I think that the lockdown would have affected teenagers to like late 20s people probably the worst from my point of view, because I just think at that age, all you do is go out and see your mates. You yeah. don't really do anything else. You know, I was all right. I was at home with the kids. My kids are young enough to stay in and play. They don't really care. But I really feel like that age range would have had it hard. Yeah. So obviously the help that they're going to need. Mm, yeah. I think we'll only kind of, we're only going to start finding that out in the future as well, aren't we? It's going to be like, the. it's yes. going to be a, you know, another wave of pandemic, but a very, very different yeah. pandemic. Yeah. And once the economy settled and once the health side of things has settled and, you know, then we're going to work out the true, the true damage caused by, uh, yeah. by that, by that time. But you it's know? my youngest daughter. She's always been a bit funny about going to school anyway. Cause she doesn't want to leave me, but she's, she, she was eight yesterday and this morning I had tears because she didn't want to go. And I think that's partly because her sister's been away last week, so she wasn't at school with her. And then today she's off. So I think she was a bit like, well, why have I got to go if she's not going? She's already had a week off. But it's also, it's a separation. And yeah. I don't know if that's 
just hope who she is because I was the same or if it's because of the lockdown because obviously where she's been so used to staying at home with me yeah and now all of a sudden it's kind of back to normal yeah it's really tough huh and it's hard with kids because she's not gonna know yeah that's it you can't explain it yeah she's not got the language to talk about that and I do I've always I do kind of ask and but then also I don't want to say things and then put it into a head yeah you know yeah it's really, really, um, really challenging. Yeah, definitely. We had something similar. My my daughter, so she's three, um, and when she went back into nursery, and she was the the most confident, you know, like she really like she had even walked with a little swagger. We used to call her like a mini Liam Gallagher, and then like and then after the the lockdown, she just she doesn't want to do anything. She doesn't want to go back to her group. She doesn't want to go to nursery. She doesn't want to, you know, like talk to people. Yeah. And I mean, slowly that that's she's coming. She's coming back in, you know, from that. It seems to be at the moment, but it really had an effect. On it. And I think so much with kids, it's and I don't know, I'm not an expert, but there's so much to do with timing, isn't there? And if they're yes. in a particular de- uh, de- developmental stage and something yeah. something happens, it can rock, rock the boat, can't it? And that's yeah. that's really, really tough. Yeah really really tough yeah um, it's hard it's hard to know yeah it's hard to know whether you need to worry about it or it's just something that they would have gone through anyway but obviously it's been made a bit worse or yeah it's it's uh yeah yeah, you just have to kind of like (laughs) trust your instincts i suppose isn't it and um and i suppose as long as they feel loved and supported and you're kind of going through it with them i mean that's all you can do i guess really isn't it and very much so yeah and i always think like with school the academic stuff i just think can fucking wait man like they've got oh, their yeah, whole yeah, yeah, lives haven't yeah. they you know yeah. and like you say as long as they feel loved and they feel supported yeah. and you know there's there's so much to be said isn't there like with children is like just just being seen and heard and like their opinion yeah. matters and counts and then they grow up into adults that you know don't think that they don't matter <laughs> you know like yeah, it's uh you know they j- just listen they just want to be listened to and, and and you can see like it must be so frustrating when you're little and you're trying to say something and like you say you haven't got the yeah. words and you feel like no one's listening and it oh god that yeah. must be uh must be tough man you know yeah. you can't uh you know one of them i was talking it? about this with my friends because we were talking about school because obviously all kids learn differently don't they so my youngest sort of yeah she's just turned eight so they've just their infants and junior schools are separate so they've just all gone up to the junior school and a lot of her classmates are still obviously it's been covid so it's been really hard for the kids then to go back into the classroom my sister's actually a teacher and she's noticed how hard it is just to get your kids sitting down because obviously they've just been able to run around at home haven't they yeah yeah but it's at that age it's like what so one of her classmates he's a very energetic he's lovely but he's got a lot of energy and all day long he's basically told that he can't be energetic and he's got to stay sitting in a chair and do and it's like why can't i mean i know obviously it's it'd be hard to teach all kids differently but there's certainly there's got to be a certain percentage of kids who are just really energetic and would learn better in a more physical environment and there's some kids that are quite happy to sit down and you know because from the start you're kind of taught that who you are isn't right you know on some kind of level completely and then the stuff you're taught in school <laughs> i know people always talk about it but it's just like there's so much stuff that i did now because my older daughter she's in year six and she'll talk to me about stuff and i'm like i've not got a clue what you're talking about and i know that i would have done it but i haven't had to think about it since i've left school and it would be really nice 
if when they were a bit older, maybe they learned how to do tax returns in yeah. some way, or you know, just find it, do things that are a bit more relevant to your Completely. life when you leave. Because as much as I love a lot of the things that they learn at school that they might not necessarily when, need when they're older, just to have that experience, there is certain things that I think it'd be good if they could actually learn. But having said that, we went to look at senior school, so she'll start senior school next year, and they they do um, graphic design. Oh, wow, yeah. And I was like, I mean, I know that I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit old, but I was like, we had like three computers here. I can't believe they do graphic design. They've got so many computers and their art department's amazing. They do cooking. They do all these really amazing things. And I'm like, okay, well, that's all quite practical stuff. And they do coding as well. Like my little girl does coding. Wow. And I'm like, but that's the way it is now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. But it has to be a balance of both, doesn't there? You know, so you can do yes. do coding and do all the running around to burn up all that energy. Well, there must be a yeah. way, right? There must be um, must be a way. They do do PE like three times a week now, because I think they only ever used to do it once, so that's good. But yeah, it is. It's just a weird concept of their children, and children are supposed to just be running around, and and surely they'd learn them what like better like that anyway, rather than being so. Yeah, it's and I don't. So I don't know whether a lot of that's with her it's kind of fighting against the change in herself because obviously she's getting older now and i think there's a whole lot of things in that age range that yeah yeah it's tough yeah it's, it's really hard really being a parent <laughs> it's hard it's hard being <laughs> a parent stuff yeah out. and it's hard being a child and it's hard yeah. you know it's hard being like life's tough man like it it, yeah it really really is um yeah i suppose that's just I don't know. That's the that the is, journey, is isn't, us, it? isn't it? Yeah. But they do do they do yoga and they do do well being stuff, which I think is really good. As yeah. Because well, they do. I don't know if they do meditation. Wait, Lola, do you do meditation at school? Would you talk about it? Do you think that we're gonna do Zen at school? <laughs> you did yoga though, right? No. You did. Oh, Juno did. You know, did. Oh, I like you cool, better. Oh, she's cutting all the doll's hair off. <laughs> Oh, it's nice. She's taken all of her face off with her push remover. Oh, mate, look at that. That's nice. It's a work of art. Mm, go away. Oh, okay, well, they don't do meditation, but they do do yoga for yeah. the little ones. I don't yeah. know if they carry that on, actually. I'm going to put it in Juno's bed. Okay. So, where do people find you? Um, Instagram, at Proper Mental Podcast, or my website, propermentalpodcast.com. That'll do. That'll get you in touch with me. You can hear the podcast absolutely everywhere you get your podcasts from. So when did you start it? March? In March, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I've been, um, like I say, I get a bit obsessive. I'll put, I'll put a lot out. I'll hit 52 <laughs> by the end of the year. That was my, my plan was to get as if yes. i'd been doing one a week by the end of the year yeah so yeah yeah that'll be um i'm on course for that and uh does yeah, it go we'll out once a week yeah yeah sometimes yeah, does, once yeah. a week sometimes twice yeah um yeah and um yeah a few bonuses chucked in here and there so yeah there's plenty um plenty of them for people to um to explore that's for sure yeah well thank you for doing a nice thing in the world oh <laughs> and i'm glad you're feeling better yeah that's the main thing right yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the main thing but yeah lots lots better and you know i think it's just really important for people to think that you know yeah you can get better you know and you yes, can get there is light at the end and yeah. it can change as well because i think that's what people just you can't see that it's ever going to change yeah it can yeah very much so and you can not you can not just get better you can get better than you were 
you know, because where yeah. where you were when you got poorly is where you were when you got poorly, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, you can rather than just tread in water, you can learn to swim. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. And I'll, send, I'll put all links and everything anyway to you. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's wicked. Great to meet you. <laughs> me too. Hi. So, yeah, that was Tom. Please check out his podcast. It's amazing. Um, and if you have anything that you'd like me to talk about or anyone that you'd like me to talk to, then please get in touch and let me know. There is a new episode of the Epic Mum Chat now live. If you search epic mum chat in youtube you should find it this one is called kids choice and it's basically about kids being able to choose if they want to spend time with their other parent it's been something that i personally have struggled with um and it's just about we just talk about what's best really it's it's a real good one so i recommend you listen to that and please share the podcast subscribe to the podcast and the uh youtube channel as well so we can get our own url so i don't have to keep saying search for the epic mum chat in youtube but yeah i hope you're good happy halloween <gasps> it's halloween well if you're listening to this on the day come out halloween halloween's my favorite check out my socials for my uh fancy dress with the family because it's the highlight of my year basically but yeah i hope you're good big love to you all stay safe and sane work and i'll see you next week bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.